most people have more than one. If you have more than five, raise your hand. Yeah, there's a lot of people who have way more than five. So uh, I don't know how many we have. I'm guessing around 10 because it just seems like every Christmas more arrive. So there's a lot of them in our house. And today we learned a little bit more about what their symbolism is. Now, uh, some of the symbolism that is read is more traditional than biblical. Um, we don't know who the Magi's names, and yet uh, a long time, not only were they named, but they were, they were sanctioned by the uh, Catholic Church. Which, by the way, a lot of the stuff we read today comes out of Catholic tradition, which I always have to remind people that uh, we were all Catholic until uh, about 1500 A.D. That was the church. Um, so, so anyway, there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, Jenny and I uh, purchased this newer set that we have out here um, after we arrived because we noticed that a couple of them were broken, missing pieces, and, and just needed a little bit of help. Um, but uh, the nativity tells the story of love. And who doesn't love babies, right? We love babies. In fact, uh, today we have everybody in the chapel and uh, the kids, they're going to be coloring and making noise. And you know what? That's part about being a kid, right? You know, sometimes we, we, uh, we look at children and we expect them to be act like adults. Well, they don't. They act like kids. And sometimes adults act like kids. So that's the way we go. But who doesn't like to talk about babies? Um, yet this is a different baby. This is baby Jesus. This is baby Jesus from God the Father. And he loves us so much that he descended into the world to live amongst us. Um, from a baby to go through the stages of adolescence, to go into as a teen, become an adult, and then start his ministry uh, amongst us. And then eventually he would go to the cross for us. And that's the greatest ultimate sacrifice at Easter. All that from a baby that's placed in a manger, which I actually have back here. Now, some of you have uh, nativity sets where Jesus can't be put in the, uh, in the cradle till Christmas Day. And some people do that, praise the Lord. Other people have the Jesus that doesn't come out, which is what we have. So uh, our baby doesn't move from the manger. So, um, but it doesn't matter which way, however you do it. The fact of the matter is, it's the story. If you notice in the nativity set, everything's focused around the baby, the baby Jesus. You know, the first nativity uh, set in history was actually a live nativity done by St. Francis of Assisi. Has everybody heard this guy, St. Francis of Assisi? He's, um, he was no sissy, by the way, in case you're wondering. Uh, you know, he was an amazing man, and one of, his, uh, one of his quotes, which I love, it says, this is what he said, start by doing what is necessary, then do what is possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. Don't you love that? love that. It's a great quote from him. St. Francis, I love reading about him, he was born into a wealthy family, and as, but as he grew older, he rejected the wealth of his family and the status, and uh, he actually went to the um, city uh, center, the square, and actually took off all his fancy clothes and basically was naked. And uh, he said, I'm giving my whole life to the Lord. He was naked as a jaybird. And somebody came up and gave him a, uh, a cloth to wrap around himself, and that's what he wore for many, many years. So Francis, he, he tore off all his clothes. Actually, he founded the Franciscan Order, which dedicated their lives to serving the poor and marginalized in society. So that's the man, St. Francis. St. Francis went on a journey to the, to the Holy Land. He walked in the footsteps of Jesus. And on the way back, St. Francis stopped in the city of Greco. And he decided that he was so moved by 
walking in the footsteps of Christ that he decided he was going to put on a nativity. So he asked the Pope. The Pope said yes. And so he went up to a cave, um, and he gathered animals and everything else and, and people, and he, he told the story of the first Christmas. And that was the very first nativity ever set up, a live nativity, um, talking about Bethlehem. Today we have traditional characters in the nativity, around our nativity. We learned their historical significance uh, with the little acts of this nativity set. If you didn't notice, um, did you know that, uh, that the three wise men, according to um, the bread, uh, they're young, middle-aged, and old, but also they're from uh, Africa, Europe, and Asia. And else we noticed, but my little people um, that had a little guy that was from Africa, Europe, and Asia. I don't know if you noticed that. So the little people nativity set is most biblical. Some kidding. We have no idea where they were from, but uh, we just know they were from the East. But anyway, the nativity set characters carry different meanings and represent different aspects of the birth of Christ. His connection to the Davidic line of kings is both seen in Joseph and in the arrival of the wise men, who were also kings. His incarnation, the fact that he's there, God himself coming, the coming man, the incarnation, um, the connection to the Holy Spirit and Mary to show that he's truly and properly God and truly and properly man. The proclamation of the message, first to the shepherds, then to us. Uh, the picture of the nativity, it's a wonderful message, but it's not the complete message. It's not the complete message. In fact, without understanding what's going on in this little scene up here, without fully understanding that, it's no more special than a classic Santa Claus or a frost of a snowman in your front yard. It's just a decoration. It's like an ornament on the tree. Without understanding the reason for the nativity, you miss out on the reason of Christ's birth. The whole reason for the celebration of the first advent in the first place. Christ loved us so much that he came and lived among us and gave his life for us on the cross. The advent meaning the first arrival, the arrival of Christ into the world, and uh, that's what the nativity scene is all about. In fact, we talk about it as art, and uh, I love, well, I love certain kinds of art. I like uh, biblical art, new stuff. When we went to the Louvre, I was just completely fascinated with the, uh, the art that was there. Well, today we look at three characters in nativity that are often overlooked. And uh, we can see the central figure of the nativity and why it's important and why it's important for us to realize that personally and to tell our friends and our neighbors and our enemies and our even strangers all about what the nativity is all about. But one of the characters that's missing from the nativity set, uh, one of them is missing, one is ignored, and one is um, its real significance is often missed. So we're going to look at all three of those characters. The first one being the dragon. Now, how many of you have a dragon with your nativity set? Anybody? Anybody have a nativity, a dragon nativity set? Well, here's the dragon. How many of you knew there was a dragon in the nativity? Maybe a couple of you, yes. Okay. Um, the dragon is missing from the nativity set. I'm going to put him where he... Uh, he belongs for right now. I can mess with my wife's decorations a little bit. So the dragon, he's going to sit right here, though. He's not about to eat the cow, so just watch that. Now, you won't find the dragon in the four Gospels. You won't find him there. Not as the dragon. Um, 
nor in your house is hidden treasure. You read about the dragon um, in Revelation chapter 12, which was just read for us, and he stands ready to devour the babies. The Gospel of Luke gives the historical account of the birth of Jesus. Matthew briefly mentions it. John in the book of Revelation gives the account of the birth of Christ from a more cosmic, um, heavenly type experience. It shows the heavenly forces battling the forces of darkness. In fact, it tells us that the, that the angel Gabriel was battling against Satan and that Satan was cast out, cast out, along with a third of the angels of heaven. He took them with him and thrown down to the earth. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 to 5, a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars in her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept a third of the stars from the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God to his throne. Now, um, I believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible, except the Bible can also have allegory. In this particular case, the devil is not a seven-horned uh, or seven-headed being. This is allegorical to that. Yet his nature is clearly seen. The nature of Satan is clearly seen. It's destruction. He's the deceiver, the accuser. He's the one that wants to see your destruction. And you know what the Satan's greatest weapon is? It's your guilt. It's your guilt. When you carry that guilt with you and you don't surrender to the Lord, it's like you're adding steel to, to, his, um, to his sword. His greatest weapon against you is guilt. So why are we talking about Satan at Christmas time? That's not typically what we do. Like, uh, hey, we're going to tell the story about, about Christmas, about Jesus' birth. Let's go and tell you about Satan. That's not typically what we do. The little baby lying in a manger will someday be crowned with many crowns, and this baby Jesus will someday have eyes that burn with fire and a linen, uh, a white linen robe dipped in blood. This little baby will someday return and summon the fire of heaven to hurl the great dragon, and all who have been deceived with him into the eternal lake of fire will they'll burn in eternity. So why is he important? Because baby da uh, Jesus is dangerous to Satan. He's like a little warrior. He's a little warrior. What John tells us is that Christmas was God's heavenly invasion of the world. He invaded the world with a baby. Satan was not happy about that. Now, Satan is the ruler of this world. That's what we know Scripture tells us. In John chapter 12, um, verses 1 to 32, but we're not going to read that. It's actually... Uh, Verses 31 to 32. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world, another word for Satan, will be driven out, but I am lifted up from earth and will draw all men to myself. That was Jesus speaking. He's trying to draw all men to him. Why? So we may be saved. In 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So when Jesus came, he invaded Satan's domain. And Jesus cast out demons, uh, and so we know he was not too happy about that. Jesus commissioned the 12 and 72, and he said, go out, go and do likewise. You know what they did? They went and cast out demons. They healed the sick. So why is that important? Because, you know, as believers, sometimes we feel like, what's, what's my power? What's my, what's my purpose? 
Did you know everyone in this room is a superhero? Much greater than Marvel? Definitely greater than DC, my goodness. But, <laughs> but we are superheroes. Why? In the blood of Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us to defeat Satan just with one knee. He comes at us with guilt and want to beat you over the head over what you've done or didn't do or, and tell you how horrible you are. We need to say, Jesus, defeated, defeated. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 to 8, go, gather, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Don't we need to say that today? The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. That's your superpower. Praise the Lord. This is why Satan wanted Jesus dead. You know, he tried to kill him through Herod's actions. Can you imagine that? Baby Jesus comes, Herod gets upset, tells the wise men, oh, where's this baby Jesus guy? Oh, I want to go worship him. Yeah, that's what it is. And then uh, come back and tell me when you find him why he wanted to go kill him. In fact, he couldn't find him. He got so upset, he sends orders, and they killed all the children, all the male children under two years old in a giant net to try to wipe them all out. He wanted to kill them. Jesus escaped with, when uh, Joseph was told a vision to escape to Egypt. Satan tried again after Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. Anybody fasted 40 days before? Anybody get upset for fasting for one meal? Everybody in this room knows what it means to be hungry. Jesus fasted 40 days, and, and Satan comes and tempts him. And what's the first thing he tempts him with? Food. He tried to tempt him with the same three temptations that messed up Adam and Eve. He tried that, and Jesus resisted. He failed. Satan failed once again. His own people verbally attacked him as being poor, uneducated, a bastard son from the wrong neighborhood, he was called a false, a false prophet, a demon-possessed guy, a blasphemer. Can you imagine that? People in Jesus' own, own hometown tried to throw him off a cliff. On numerous occasions, Jewish leader, leaders met and conspired to trap and kill Jesus. But Jesus would die at an, his appointed time. And I bet you when he died, Satan was like, Woohoo! Gotcha! And then Sunday morning came. Praise the Lord. Easter Sunday morning, he's like, snap. Now he's really ticked off. And Jonah read that. What does he do? He went out and went and made war against everybody else. But we have something. We have a mighty weapon. Jesus. Where's Jesus? Satan's only ammunition against us is our own guilt. But our guilt is made clean when we put it on the altar. Say, Jesus, take it away. Forgive me my sins. We are made clean. Washed by the blood. Washed by the blood. Our second character that is often overlooked is the woman in the Revelation story, but it's not the woman you're thinking of. Now, if, you're a, uh, if you grew up in a Catholic church, that lady right there uh, represents Mary. But it's not Mary. It's not Mary. The nation of Israel is who that represents right there. Um, she's God's people of the Old Testament. We can see the connection to the sun, the moons, and the stars, because you should remember that from Joseph's dream in, chap in Genesis chapter 37. That's where we see that. And in Joseph's dream, who bends down to say, 
that, oh, you're our, our king, right? All his brothers bend over and say, oh, we're worshiping or we're uh, following you, right? The youngest son is the one that all the stocks bend over towards. And that's what this is here. It represents a woman. It says, I'm going to put by, by Mary. Now, not all nativities have had hay. Ours actually does. The woman is a symbol of life. The woman corresponds with the people of Israel. And throughout the Bible, from Genesis chapter 3 uh, to chapter 20 of Revelation, the third to last chapter of the Bible, um, we see Satan trying to destroy God's people. I mentioned this in prayer meeting, which I want to say, we need to go to prayer meeting. I feel like the prayer meeting, if you ever play sports before and you're in, in the, in the uh, locker room prior to the game, the coach is talking to you, and, and then you like get out and... You don't know if you're going to win or lose, but at that particular moment, when you leave that locker room, you're thinking, we're going to take on the world. We're going to hit a hole and run, get a touchdown, shoot a basket. We don't know what we're going to do, but, man, we're ready to go. That's what prayer meeting's like. Well, you know, Satan, since the third chapter of Genesis, has been trying to destroy us. And I mentioned this in our prayer meeting time at the end. I said, you know, um, Satan makes his appearance in the third chapter of Gen uh, Genesis, and he makes his disappearance in the uh, third to last chapter of Revelation. He's the bookends of evil. But Christ is in the beginning, and Christ is in the end. Praise the Lord. But Satan's out to destroy the woman, and the woman represents God's chosen people in his attacks. In fact, um, he started with Adam and Eve and ends with the great deception found in Revelation where he sets himself up as God to be worshipped, anti-God. In fact, um, the three and a half years of time and time and a half time, uh, that means three and a half years, and it's, it signifies the uh, time when the two witnesses will be testifying on the steps of um, in Jerusalem. Now, if you don't know anything about that, you need to go to Bible study, because really that's the, that stuff is so important and basic. What's important here is that Satan is real. He has an agenda. He wants to lie, deceive, accuse. He wants to take you out. So the woman represents the nation of Israel, and uh, in this particular story, how Satan wanted to take them out by destroying Christ. We are not outside God's promises because through Jesus that we're grafted into the promise of God. In fact, Jesus said, I am the vine and we are the branches. He grafts us into the story, the great meta-narrative of salvation. We as Gentiles, we outside the, promise, the original promise of God are grafted in through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. If you're looking at nativity, all the characters represent people of God, the created in his image, destined to be part of the heavenly family as the choice of God. God chose to add us to him. Yet Satan stands there to distract and lead us astray. He's a big evil dragon, or God's word says he's a roaring lion. A roaring lion. Jesus is our connection to the gospel story. Jesus makes it possible for us to be restored to God. And the baby is at the center of this story, which is our third often overlooked member of the nativity text. Now, you might be saying, okay, Major, we don't overlook baby Jesus. We all know about baby Jesus. We aren't overlooking him. Um, we know he's very important to the story. We just sang a lot of songs about baby Jesus. Um, but the question really is, has he changed your story? Has he changed your story? 
And he's, he's changed his story recently. How old would it be to say, like, oh, I've got a great testimony, and you start telling some testimony from 20 years ago? So Jesus was there 20 years ago, and he just left you there? Can you imagine waiting for a bus for 20 years in the same spot? And the bus keeps coming by, and Jesus is like, hop on, let's go. And you're like, oh, I'm good. Has he changed your story recently, this week, even today? Because that's what he wants to do. You know, he doesn't save us to leave us there. He saves us to keep us going along his path and show us greater and greater things to give us greater and greater power so that you understand the whole idea. When I say you have power and you're a superhero, you're like, you're darn right I am. And when life comes your way and people don't know what to do, you're the one smiling and say, I don't know what you're going to do. My hair's on fire, but praise the Lord. It's going to work out. It's going to be great. Right, Jerry Ann? It's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, I drive her crazy. I tell that all the time. <laughs> the world's falling apart. It's going to be great. <laughs> great news. That's what happened on that first Christmas morning. Great news. He's often overlooked because we sometimes miss out on the presence of Jesus, especially in our own lives. Sometimes we treat Jesus like a baby plastic Jesus, like he's the plastic Santa or the plastic reindeer. This child's at the center of nativity. He's at the center of our salvation. He's the hero of the story. He is God incarnate. God became, this is just blows my mind. God sent his son, born as a baby, to grow up just like we grow up, and then to die on a cross. Oh my gosh, if we were writing that story, we would have wrote Captain America, who came as a man and d killed the uh, forces of evil, right? We didn't ever start as a baby. And surely we wouldn't have killed the superhero and brought him back to life. He's the second Adam, and I've always loved that, what God's word says that. He's the second Adam, and when you think about that, he's the Adam that didn't fail. He's the Adam that didn't fail. In his 33rd year, third year of ministry, Jesus went to the cross to carry the sins of the world, mine including yours, to the cross. Why? So that we could be made clean in Christ. He defeated death by rising from the grave so we can be reunited with Christ. Even though we're guilty, and even though we deserve punishment, Jesus did that. So why a baby? In uh, 1 John 3, 7 and 8. Uh, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is righteous, uh, just as he is righteous, um, he who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. Amen? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. Hallelujah. So why did Jesus come? To destroy the work of Satan, who wants to see us destroyed. And so that's why I put the, the dragon there today. That's why I put the dragon there today. Realize there's something to be defeated. In Matthew 4, 16, it says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And John 9, 5, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Praise the Lord. Isn't that true? 1 John 5 and 7. Um, actually, let me say this real fast. You know, so every week, or once a month, we have this group out here. That I always get it wrong. The church at Planned Parenthood. Anyway, they're out there. They sing songs, and they pray you know, for the folks that live across the street, working across the street. 
But then there's another group, the group from across the street. And, uh, and they've been out there with their little sound meter thing, but they're so intense. I mean, I just don't understand the intensity of their thing. They just like, they're just, I don't know, it's, it's just hard to watch them. It's like, how could you have that much rage in your life? Who wants that? First John 5 and 7, and, uh, 5 and 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. And we really do. We lie to ourselves. And do not live by truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You know, baby Jesus was born in a cave, a dark cave. And it was mentioned earlier, Joseph had a light. But when you watch uh, nativity art, when you look at nativity art, where is the light for the cave coming from? It's coming from Christ. Next time you look at a, a piece of artwork of the nativity, notice um, where the light for that cave is coming from. It's not from one of the lamps in there. In fact, most artwork for the uh, nativity artwork does not have a lamp in it. In fact, if it does have a lamp in it, it's usually not lit. It's Jesus. The light of the world has come into the world, and that's what the artist is trying to convey. He drives out the darkness. Drives out the darkness. They show that Jesus has brought the great light into the world lost in sin, and that Jesus will defeat Satan. While Christmas Sunday, we celebrate the first advent, the arrival of the Lord, um, you have to realize, too, there's a second advent. He's coming back, praise the Lord. He's coming back. He is coming back. You know, all this stuff that's going on in the world right now, all this will disappear. All this will go away. Christ someday is going to return. And that's the bus you don't want to miss. That's the bus you don't want to miss. Reading about the birth of Jesus in chapter 2 of Luke, but failing to understand the reason for the birth, would be like watching a movie and leaving after the first act. How many of you like to do that? You watch a movie... I'm, I'm too uh, obsessive-compulsive. I need to see the ending. And it has to be a good ending. In fact, if I know there's a bad ending, I won't watch it. I need to see the ending. I'm not like Dan. So Dan, I go to Dan for all the movie knowledge so that if it's a bad ending, I don't go. I want to see the whole thing. Not only focusing on Christmas and missing the cross, you're missing out on the whole thing. But I'll tell you right now that if, even if you focus on Christmas and you focus on the cross, but you fail to understand he's coming back. He didn't come and die so that we could be saved. Only. We're going to be with him in heaven. The new, the new heaven and the new Jerusalem. It's chapter, you know, we're at the end of the book. Revelation chapter 12 tells us Satan was cast out of heaven for his disobedience and that he took a third of the angels with him and there was a great war in heaven going on. Satan wants our destruction. Wants our destruction. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17 says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's, obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So who's that? That's Christians. That's Christians. You know, sometimes, you know, people give their life to the Lord and they think everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. Man, you give your life to the Lord, expect the attack. It's like you just said, come on, let's go, devil, because that's what's going to happen. All the weird stuff's going to happen to you. 
God says he wants to take you out. He wants to sit there and go, yeah, you're not good enough to be saved. Look at all those things you did. You're horrible. God can't save you. He died for everybody else, but not you. That's him trying to beat you over the head. And you, you can defeat him. You have the power to defeat him in one word. Jesus. Jesus. The great news of the birth of Jesus through the center of nativity is that the forces of evil are vanquished in the end. That they can be vanquished now. They can be wiped out right now in your life. And God doesn't give us uh, his salvation and leave us alone. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. When uh, Jesus sent out the disciples, he equipped them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? To do the work of God. To heal the sick. To cast out demons. Right now, some of you might be thinking, I, I just can't imagine that I'd be able to heal the sick or cast out demons. That might be like way too far of a thing to think about. But he also gives you the ability just to walk in holiness with him. He, doesn't, he didn't leave us to go on our own. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit so we could walk in his ways, to live lives of righteousness, to take the gospel message forward. Why? Because we've been freed. We've been saved. So why is Christmas important? Because it's Jesus that will save. Jesus that will save. It's God's love that brought Christ to this earth. God's love. Life is not easy, but God can give us the ability to live that life according to him. As I said, Satan's only ammunition is our, is our guilt. Satan is defeated when we accept Christ. Just as he was there trying to gobble up the baby Jesus, allegorical, obviously, there was no dragon actually literally in the cave. Just as he was there trying to destroy Christ, he's there trying to destroy you. Because you have the power to wipe him out. You have the power to wipe him out. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 to 12 says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now uh, have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ for the, for the accusers of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives as so much uh, to shrink from death. How did they overcome Satan? By the blood and the testimony. The blood and the testimony. Oh, good stuff. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, this is what happens to the devil. Um, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. If only we had a burning lake of sulfur. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. And so Satan, now think of the whole story here. Think of the whole story. It's hard to believe that all this can come from a little piece of art that's sitting on our mantle that we don't even really pay attention to. He was there when he threw himself out of heaven in his disobedience. He was cast out in the great war in heaven. And then he's down on the earth. And so what does he do? He deceives Adam and Eve with the three temptations of man. I am what I do. I am what I, uh, uh, I, am what I do. I am what I control. And I am what other people say about me. And he gets Adam and Eve in the third chapter of Genesis. And you just see the life of man is going through these ups and downs, following the Lord, not following the Lord, following the Lord, not following the Lord. And who's there, the author of all that? It's Satan. It's Satan. 
But then Jesus, the plan is Jesus would come. There'd be a, sal- a salvation. And so where is Satan? He's there, ready to gobble up the child. And when he fails there, he tries to tempt Jesus. He tries to get people to kill Jesus. And he's successful in doing that. But then Christ rises from the dead. So who does Satan go try to get? He tries to take us out. But in the end, in chapter 20 of Genesis, who's cast in the burning lake of fire? Made for whom? Satan. Did you know that hell is not made for us? Sometimes people think falsely that hell was made for us. That's where all the the sinners go. They're supposed to be cast out into hell in a burning lake of fire. It was never made for them. It was made for this guy. Not literally Jordan's dragon, but it's made for... It's the burning lake of fire. That's where he belongs. Humanity doesn't belong there. We belong with Christ in eternity. Praise the Lord. That's why Jesus came. That's why there's a baby in the nativity field, in the nativity set. That's why we celebrate Christmas morning. Jesus is born. It's not about a PlayStation 27 or whatever else. It's about Jesus Christ is born. He came as a baby to live amongst us, to be with us, to grow up like we grow up, to be the witness, to be the example, and to make it to the cross, to take our sins and our burdens upon himself and our guilt, and then to rise from the dead. And who is defeated at death? That guy. That guy is defeated. The reason for the first advent is so that we could be reunited with Christ. The Bible was supposed to be Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. But for us, it's going to be Genesis chapter 21. We're going to be reunited with God in heaven. Praise the Lord. That's what the nativity is all about. The judgment coming of the second advent, Christ is returning. Satan is defeated, and his followers, us who believers, we're going to reign with Christ in eternity. Praise the Lord. So let's not miss out on the real reason for Christmas. It's about peace. It's about love. Lieutenant Bell is going to be playing O Holy Night, and the words, I believe, are going to be on the screen. Feel uh, welcome to uh, sing along if you'd like, but um, we're going to pray in just a second. And uh, I just want to say this morning, if uh, Christ has not changed your story, if your story hasn't changed, if you've never had that story changed, if you've Christ hasn't come into your life and changed you and said, and say, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your home is in heaven with me. Please don't leave here today without making that choice. Surrender to him. Satan might be beating you over the head with your own guilt. But you can be free from that today. Just by surrendering to Christ, it's so easy. It's not complicated. He didn't say, change, then come to me. He said, come to me. He'll change you, and not through your own power, not through you bare knuckling it out through. Let the Holy Spirit change your life. And if Christ hasn't been in your life, you feel like he's been gone for years, man, come today. Say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need you. I need you desperately. But don't leave here today the same person that you knew. You'll be watching the movie from the first act and walking out, beating your head. Get the full story. Get the full salvation. We're going to pray, and if uh, you'd like to come forward to pray this way, come forward. Someone will pray with you. No matter what it is, if you're praying for your health, praying for somebody else's health, don't really care. But get your heart right with the Lord. Leave here restored, renewed, 
just praise him anyway. So I'm going to pray, and then as I'm praying, we'll sing together. Lord, just thank you for, uh, again, Lord, praise you, Lord, and uh, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for uh, your word. Lord, thank you for the baby Jesus that came uh, so that uh, evil will be defeated, Lord, and Satan will be defeated. The real reason for your arrival, Lord, is for our salvation. And we thank you, Lord, for the greatest present that we could ever receive, which is your love. Thank you, Lord, for that. May you be glorified in, in all that we do. Lord, I just pray just right now for anybody that's here in this room. Uh, maybe you're, they've, uh, I don't know, maybe they haven't been with you in a, in a while, or maybe they've uh, just been falling away, or maybe they've never known you. I don't know what the still stories are, Lord, but um, Lord, I just pray for those in this room or those who are watching at home. Lord, that uh, should they need to restore their life to you, they don't leave here in the same way they came in. Lord, let them come forward to pray. Lord, let them stay at home, contact us on the phone, whatever it might be. Lord, but let you be glorified in all that we do. Lord, we thank you that uh, Satan is vanquished in the end, Lord. And we thank you that we have the power to vanquish him right now, here and now, Lord, through the blood of Jesus. 